Hello and welcome to this episode of the Enterprising Gen Z podcast. So normally, as you know, I speak to some of the top young founders, young entrepreneurs and more experienced entrepreneurs and professionals on this show to really inspire you guys and, you know, inspire the next generation of young founders and entrepreneurs. Inspiration of the next generation of, of young business people is the reason why I started this podcast. But I thought for this episode, I was going to do things a little bit differently. Now, I launched Enterprising Gen Z events just a couple of months ago. And even in that short time, I've really learned so much, A, about myself and B, about the entrepreneurship process as a whole. So I thought it would be a good idea to structure an episode about the lessons that I've learned and create a bit of a, I don't know how to phrase it, but an initial guide to the entrepreneurship process and some of the key lessons that I've learned. I think it would be important for you guys to learn with me as I go through this process. So as you know, potentially if you've connected with me on LinkedIn or you've you've followed this podcast for a while, I've had quite a long history of working within companies since I was seven, well, I said long history. I've been working in, in the tech industry and the events industry uh, for about a year and a half now. I learned so much during this process, but then creating a startup of my own has made me learn so much more in a much shorter space of time. So I've kind of condensed the main points and the main lessons that I've learned into quite a handy guide for you guys. As I said, I'm doing things a bit differently today, but I hope you find value in what I'm saying. Uh, and yeah, I hope you enjoy. So I think a good starting point would be for me to discuss my career so far. So I was 17 and in the UK, for my American listeners, you have, um, when you apply to university, you have something called UCAS. Now UCAS is the process where we apply to universities. I was applying for a business and French course at the University of Manchester, Bath, Bristol, uh, UCL and Royal Holloway. Um, And I realized that to do this, I really needed to have some business experience. So I was scrolling through TikTok and then I found that I came across this company called Wing. I saw the product. Um, and it was a plastic business card that you tapped on somebody's phone and all of your contact links came up. I thought the product was really cool. I've always been very eco-conscious in my day-to-day life, so this, this really aligned with my values. So I sent their Instagram a DM, and I spoke to the founder, and he agreed to have me on for a three-week internship. About a week in, um, the founder, Sina Sadzade, who I actually had an episode one of this podcast. That seems like a long time ago now. Um, but he he saw a lot of value in me and decided to give me equity in the company and make me junior business development manager. Since then, my role's changed and I'm now business development manager. We scrapped the junior, uh, which, <laughs> which is nice. And I realized that some of my school friends at sixth form were kind of making fun of what I was doing. So that was actually the initial reason that I started the podcast. It was because I wanted to inspire the next generation of young founders and young business people through a platform where they can listen to some of the top entrepreneurs and industry professionals from around the world talk about their experience and at the moment I think I've I've kind of succeeded on that I get messages from people who say they've started their own businesses and and things like that and that is so rewarding to hear that so that's the main reason why I started the podcast in the first place now I always had the ambition of turning it into a brand so the events company the reason why I founded it is because I wanted to bring the value of the podcast into real life one thing I've learned with my experience with Wing, um, the contactless business card company, was that connections and networking is key. I also got interviewed by a company called Gen Z Talks, who were the sponsors of a couple of episodes on the last season. So I was interviewed by them for a piece that they were doing on YouTube. And Dan Sullivan, the CEO, is honestly super, super talented. He's all about bridging the gap between the workplace and education, and also similarly empowering young professionals. The work he's doing is fantastic, so they brought me on as a presenter and a marketing associate. Again, this really aligned with my values. And some of the ideas that we had were really, really groundbreaking and really, really cool. And part of my role with Gen Z Talks was marketing events, hence linking into the fact that I then started an events company, because I felt like I had a bit of experience with that. Now, I started the events company with a B2C model, so I wanted to put on events and then physically sell tickets 
to the consumers. This takes me on to my first point or my first kind of tip, which is patience. So I launched the business and I had a, and a clear business plan and a clear business model in mind. And it was the B2C business model of putting on an event and selling tickets. I quickly realized when I put the numbers in and, and kind of figured it all out, it's not quite scalable as a business. And then I also realized that loads of companies really struggle marketing towards Gen Z. As a generation, we're quite a hard demographic to market towards. I think lots of companies think the best way to to resonate with us is through social media, but I can't tell you how many Instagram ads I just scroll past. They don't always work and they don't always resonate with that demographic. So then I thought, right, I'm going to change the business model ever so slightly. So how I've changed it now is essentially enterprising Gen Z events is a marketing tool for businesses to attract an audience of young Gen Z professionals and entrepreneurs. So the way that they do this is they partner with me on events. There's two options here. They are the white label. For those of you who don't know, white labeling means essentially none of my branding is there. So it's purely event an event kind of launched by that company, we could say. But essentially, Enterprising Gen Z events is kind of the background of the events organizers. And there's also where it's a partnership. So it's Enterprising Gen Z and Company X, for example. That means they get access to me, my branding, my listeners, my listener base, which is really important. I think it also adds a bit of authenticity. Enterprising Gen Z is quite strong, and I think it's quite important for brands to be associated with that if you want to partner with me for events. So essentially, Enterprising Gen Z events has moved from a B2C brand to a B2B brand. That's much more scalable. That brings me on to my first point. I think I mentioned it earlier, but it's patience. So patience is key. I rushed into my business plan and I created a B2C model, which I quickly realized wasn't scalable, as I mentioned. Moving it to B2B, I should have done that in the first place instead of wasting my time thinking about how to create a B2C brand. When I designed my website for Enterprising Gen Z, I, I thought, right, I have to do it quickly. So I started it, I optimized it for laptops and computers, and then I put it out. I published it, and then the traffic I saw coming through was from mobile devices. Now, I should have thought about optimizing it for mobile, but I actually thought, right, I'm going to put it off. But now I've realized I missed a massive opportunity there because I should have optimized it for mobile. It should have been the first thing I do because most of my traffic comes from mobiles. Again, it was me rushing to put something out and it wasn't 100% perfect. I'm not saying that everything you have to do should be perfect, but optimizing a website for mobile is so important and it was a massive step that I overlooked and I wish that I was a bit more patient and put it out two days later where I should have just optimized it for mobile. The second thing that I've learned about entrepreneurship, but this kind of mainly links to social media and potentially content, which is consistency. Consistency is king. So I make an effort to publish an episode of the podcast every week. I would like to do every two weeks, but sourcing guests, quite honestly, to be perfectly honest with you, is, is quite difficult sometimes. The London startup ecosystem is so strong, but it's very difficult to find the right people who are willing to record on X date and X time. I normally do my recordings or I make an effort to do my recordings on a Wednesday. That doesn't always fit with everyone's schedule. Now, my podcast has been listened to in 30 different countries around the world. If I wasn't so consistent with posting, both on social media and, say, Spotify, Apple Music, um, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all of the directories, if I wasn't consistent in posting on there, I don't think my podcast would have grown at the rate that it has. I'm really, really proud of where it's come, but again, as I said, consistency is so important. One thing I do or I try to stick to, it's been a bit more difficult recently as I started uni in Paris, but as I created a social media content calendar. So that involves two weekly posts on Instagram. At the moment, I'm really hitting one, but it's on the same day and the same time normally. Um, but I try and post on TikTok. That's a bit slow at the moment. A social media content calendar is really important. In all honesty, I should be way more consistent. Sometimes it's a bit more difficult. 
uh, because I've got uni and other commitments. But definitely consistency on the social media side of things is, is something I'm going to improve on. One thing that I learned from Wing was a tool called Buffer. Now, I would make a note of this. Buffer allows you to uh, schedule all of your social media posts uh, on, for example, Twitter, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Essentially, every social media you can think of, it can schedule the posts and post it automatically for you. The basic plan is completely free. Just as a caveat, I would just like to mention that this podcast episode isn't sponsored by any of the tools that I'm about to mention. So Buffer's really, really useful. I schedule all of my content on there. It's especially useful for things like LinkedIn. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, I quite like a lie-in. So that means that when I wake up, by the time that my post is sent out, it's probably 10.30, 11am, by the time I've sent it out. Now you want your LinkedIn posts, for example, to be hitting the algorithm or everyone's feed at about 9am for the best results, I've found. So what you can do is you can just schedule it on Buffer for 9am, it'll go out, you'll be asleep, and it'll be scheduled perfectly and, and no one knows otherwise. It's really, really helpful when you've got a busy day and you don't want to be checking on times to post things. So again, scheduling your posts on Buffer is, is a really, really good tip and I, wouldn't emph- I, I can't emphasize how useful Buffer can be. That really helps with your consistency, help you grow a social media profile, help you grow your brand. As I said, consistency is king. In entrepreneurship, probably the most important thing that I've found is connections. I went to my first ever networking event when I was 17 and even the connections that I had at that event, that f- very, very first event, I'm still in touch with now. Most of the people that I do business with are from networking. I read some really, really interesting statistics on networking. I'm just going to read them too briefly. So the first one is that 85% of jobs are filled via networking. 28% of businesses would fail without networking. And the conversion rate on leads from networking is over 40%. Now that goes back to my point that connections are key. I'm speaking to a fantastic guy called Richard Selwyn Barnett at the moment. I would 100% look him up on LinkedIn and send him a message. He's the king of connections. I would say that every day he sends me about 25 to 30 LinkedIn profiles that I should check out. He's really great at helping me find guests for the podcast. He's introduced me to some really talented and iconic people. I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing about entrepreneurship, but it really is who you know. Sites like LinkedIn are also super, super useful. I know there's a movement moving away from LinkedIn and towards others, other you know networking platforms, but I still use LinkedIn. I'm on there probably two, three hours a day, really making sure that I'm connected with the best of the best. Just about networking events, most events are free or they are quite cheap. They're normally accessible to most people. Jake and I spoke about this on the last episode of the podcast. Now, in my experience of business, experience is really, really key. I wrote about this in a LinkedIn post recently. I was always interested in sports psychology and the mentality behind success in rugby. It was only that brief work experience at Wing that gave me a passion for business and entrepreneurship. Without that, I wouldn't have found my passion. Let's just use SaaS as as an example. So software as a service, selling software as a service. If you want to uh, be working in, for example, B2B SaaS company and you you want to run that company yourself and be an entrepreneur in that field, the first thing you should do before you launch your business is get experience. This will do a couple of things. Number one, it will help you establish connections in that field. I, I talked about it in my last point. It gives you an insight into the field that you would never normally get. The third thing is never be afraid to ask for help. I'm going to be super, super candid and honest on this episode. I think that's really, really important that I do so. So recently I spoke to an events organizer who does events professionally and I asked her, hey, look, what's the best way to find sponsors for an event? The information that she gave me was so, so helpful. I actually started off the message saying, look, I'm not, I don't really like asking for help. Because I think that's a common trait among among men. We don't like asking help from others. That's something that I've had trouble with, is actually having the confidence to ask other people for help. So I sent her a message. It was slightly out of my comfort zone. I've since realized that you should never, ever be afraid of asking for help. 
Another tip, and I, I touched on this briefly earlier on when I talked about my move from a B2C, so business to consumer, to a business to business business model. I think that where possible, business should try to move to B2B. I'll explain why. So with Wing, when I first joined, we were a B2C business. So we would sell individual products to individual consumers. You have to direct traffic from your social media or from word of mouth to your website and then sell individual products. That means packaging fees are so high. Your cost of goods is also much more expensive, especially when you're trying to source every single consumer. It's a really very difficult way to scale a business. Then we move to B2B. You can sell in much, much higher quantities. So there's a couple of softwares that I'm going to recommend. As I mentioned earlier, these aren't sponsored. So when you're doing B2B sales, one of the things that I found, and this is something that Sina taught me essentially. Sina's the CEO of Wing, who was on episode one. So Sina introduced me to, when I was very, very, very new to the business, when I was just 17, I had zero business experience. He introduced me to CRM. So a CRM is a I think it's, cust- I can't remember if it's customer or client. I think it's customer. Customer relationship manager. So essentially what I use, you can use paid for softwares like Salesforce and things like that, but essentially it tracks the progress of your sales. Your leads, sorry, I should say. So I just use an Excel spreadsheet where I color code the the status of, of the lead. So essentially I input the name of the company, their website, the representative that I want to speak to, and then three pieces of contact information. So that could be their email, the company's email, the company's phone number, and their phone number. Finding this contact information can sometimes be quite difficult, but there are two ways you can go about it. Number one, you can find it on their website. Secondly, there's a tool called Rocket Reach, which essentially is a massive database. I think it takes the data from LinkedIn, I'm not sure. You can essentially find the emails and phone numbers of lots of the professionals that you want to target for the B2B sales to input them into your CRM. I find that super, super helpful. Number one, it allows for multiple different sales channels. So you can target them with a cold call, or you can target them with a cold email. Cold emailing, in my experience, is probably the easiest sales tactic. So I use something called MailChimp. I use my CRM and I export the contacts directly into MailChimp. I write an email and they have great customization tools so you can customize their name, emails uh, and titles and things like that to them so it feels much more personalized. Now you can send out these emails to loads and loads of people. Now I don't do this every time and sometimes it's much more important to get much more personalization but if you're starting out, MailChimp is a great starting point. Now, another really important thing that I do is I use LinkedIn to my advantage. Now, I'm never, ever going to call myself a LinkedIn coach. I would never think that I have, you know, a huge amount of experience. I've been on the platform about two, for about two years. But there's one thing I do know. But there's one thing that I do know. And I really try to tailor my connections to who I want to be connected with. Now, there are some people I know who just go through and connect with everyone. So, for example, I will type in entrepreneur. And I will filter by entrepreneurs in London if I've got a London event coming up or Manchester if I've got a Manchester event coming up. Essentially, this allows you to target your content towards people who you want to see it. I'll connect with hundreds of them over the period of a couple of months to make sure that my connection base is really, really strong for the events that I want to put on. Now, if your client base is made up of people in the construction industry, for example, tailor that search function to exactly who your client is. That will really help with B2B sales because the people looking at your content will be your ideal consumer. I follow this fantastic LinkedIn coach on LinkedIn uh, called Leah Turner. She advertises herself as making LinkedIn simple and fun and she does corporate group training and digital courses and things like that. I followed her for a while and I watch her content and her information that she gives about growth on LinkedIn and finding clients and leads on LinkedIn is really, really important. The content that she provides is, is really, really good. When I registered my company, Enterprising Gen Z Events on Companies House, 
I chose to bank with Metal, which is a neo bank from NatWest. Now they don't have any fees. Their customer support is second to none, and their UI, their user interface is really, really strong. So I chose to bank with them. In my personal experience, I think Metal for a startup business bank is definitely the way to go. Now, obviously, I'm not legally allowed to give financial advice or anything like that, but just generally, my experience with Metal as a bank has been fantastic. Now, we live in the internet age, but I still find so much value in the business books that are available. I've just read one recently called Getting to Yes, which is a book on the basics of negotiation. There's also a book called The Kremlin Guide to Negotiation and a book called Decisive. It's all about the cognitions behind the decision-making process. My decision-making process have really, really improved because of what I've learnt. Again, autobiographies are really, really good. I read when I was probably 9 or 10, um, I read Duncan Bannatyne's autobiography. I was always such a massive fan of Dragon's Den and it was a Christmas present from my grandparents. I still have that book and I, I reread chapters of it from time to time. So Wing is part of what's called the NatWest Accelerator Scheme. It pairs up the startup with a mentor. The NatWest Accelerator Scheme is really, really good because it allows entrepreneurs to be mentored by other successful founders. Applying for these programs is so, so important. Even if you don't get in, the experience of an application process can be really important when you're applying for funding or chatting to a VC. I think my final point, you need to be your brand. If you're in London and you've ever seen someone walking around with a hat which says Enterprising Gen Z on it, it's me. I am never seen without my hat. Wherever I go, I'm representing my brand. Enterprising Gen Z as a brand is really, really important to me. And I think more and more it's becoming a bit more recognisable, which I'm really, really happy with. But being your brand and creating this brand identity is really important. Now, I think that's all of kind of the, the main points. Just thinking about it, I think I'm going to try and make these episodes a once every two month kind of thing. If I have, you know, a, a thought or some, some pointers that I think it will be interesting to structure an episode around, I'm just going to pick up the microphone and chat about it because I think you guys, you know, learning from me on this entrepreneurship process is, is, is valuable. I hope at least. But anyway, I really hope you've enjoyed listening to a bit more from me on this episode. If you guys did enjoy it and, and found some value, please let me know. I mean, send me a message on our Instagram or send me a message on LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn is just my name and the Instagram is uh, Enterprising Gen Z Pod. I'd also really like to know about some of the tips that you guys have. Even if you've got really, really small scale startups, I'd love to hear potentially where some of my thoughts resonated with what you think. Maybe if you had any other suggestions, which I can mention in the next episode. As I said, I hope you found some value. and I'll be back next week with another normal episode. Thank you so much for listening.